Hello, and welcome to the second hour of Barbarian in the Valley. Better known to everyone now as the Free Associates. That's right, folks, the Free Associates. Free to associate with any idea, anybody, any concept that comes along. Awesome. Who wouldn't want that? And also, free to associate, of course, to move around, to not be experts, to kind of Chase it down together. Whatever it is that we're chasing down. And I gotta say, today is exciting. And it's a show that I've been waiting to do ever since I started here at WMUA Amherst. Automation. That's right, automation. And if you're one of my students at the high school, or if you just know me, or if you've ever been in a crowd anywhere near me, you know I talk about the specter of automation. That it concerns me. So that's what we're doing today. Now, folks, you can get the reading is the reading is on the website. Now, I've gotten some complaints about this reading by Whalen, okay, because it's long, and he didn't really read all of it, so he can't really speak that much about it. So it's kind of going to be just Laura and I speaking intelligently about it. Laura's going to join us today, and Whalen's going to be like, uh, but, and then I'm going to slam him down. But, you know, he always has something fun to do, and I tell you, he looks so good today. He's a mustard-colored, no-collar shirt, He's got a burgundy vest with a giant American flag on the back. I mean, he looks like Autumn 1974 Easy Rider. It's awesome. And he rides a motorcycle. But listen, I'm getting distracted. Now, if you want our reading, it's on barbarianinthevalley.com. Barbarianinthevalley.com. Okay, and you can podcast us, both the Free Associates and Barbarian in the Valley, on any platform you can imagine. I actually have been looking at my statistics. And you know what country loves me? France. I'm getting listeners in France. Now, who would have thought? Although, genetically, I did the 23andMe, and I am part French, so that could be part of it. Now, we are in the belly of the beast, that uh, neo-brutalist construction at the center of the UMass campus, but we're entering the crystal ship. That's right, we're entering the crystal ship, and we are disengaging from the building. We are now starting to hover above the campus and above the Connecticut Valley. Okay. Now, it is time to free associate. Now, I've asked my co-host, Laura Federuso, to do a drawing. She's going to hold it up and I'm going to free associate on that drawing. Could you hold that up for me, please? I see an alien race coming and laying coffins down on the planet. It, there's like 12 trees left on the planet. It's apocalyptical. It's frightening. The moon's made out of cheese, but it's glowing. There's solar flares. That's a free association on that. Boom. Got it. All right. So we're going to be back in just a minute, folks. We are going to be back. Now, don't forget, barbarianinthevalley.com has the reading. We're going to be talking about automation. Unless you're a robot, okay? If you're a robot out there, I want you to get find the off switch on you. Okay, it's probably in a weird place. It's probably in a place that's hard to reach. But if you're a robot, go ahead and turn yourself off because you're not part of this conversation. We will be back with Diodato is a little bit of music that we always do. And we'll be back in just a minute. So stay tuned. are coming back into the crystal ship you're listening to the free associates how are you guys doing good good 
Oh, Waylon got got again. The mic is not on. I figured I that would mess it. you up. Is this thing on? Is this thing on? Is what you he didn't said. Do it's me. on now. You know, you're easy to get because you're on your phone. You know, that's your problem. That's not our problem. Well, first we off, I was, I was trying to get us more viewers or audience members. Okay. I was, I'm doing things. See, this is the, this is the teacher in him. He's always... How are you doing he's, that? He's always thinking that a phone is conspiring against him. Yes. So oh. I'm doing productive You're things working. over here. Getting yeah. more viewers. How's I always have to, yeah. And I always have to explain myself way, on this too. Can I just clarify? We're not looking for viewers. <laughs> We're looking for listeners. Okay, Okay, listeners. this is not a TV show. And they can how are you getting us. more listeners? So I put it on Facebook, uh-huh. you know, listen yeah. to us, this, this, that, the other thing. We were in the in the studio doing a um, a pre-recording, yep. uh, like last week, and he was so, he was like, you're on your phone, you're on your phone, and I'm like looking up, we were talking about the Joker, the movie mm, that the Joker, yes. and so I was like trying to find like this certain quote, and I was like, I'm I'm really doing this, like I'm, I'm doing my work. I have to like yeah. prove to you that like my phone is well, out for a purpose. I think it's mm. fairly reasonable for me to be skeptical of you. True. And now this is the point in the show where we move along, okay? <laughs> yeah, where we, I we would get a, stuck on this for a probably about 10 minutes, 15 eye, a minutes. A baleful look, and then we move on. I'd like you guys to introduce yourself. Jeremy, uh, I can introduce you. I already did because you look like a goon right now. And your orange van, I have to say, that yellow with that burgundy in an orange van looks like foliage moving at 55 miles per hour. We are peak fall right now, ladies and gentlemen. We are peak fall. Oh, you really are. So we know Waylon, you know, he's disrupt. He's disruptive element on the show. He teaches at the same high school I teach at, which shall remain nameless. Um, but could you introduce yourself to us? Yes. Hi, I'm Laura Federuso, and I also host a show on WMUA. My show is Lab Talk with Laura. I bring comedians uh, in to interview scientists at UMass uh, across a bunch of different scientific disciplines, and it is on Wednesdays, 4.30 to 5.30. Cool. Great. Well, it's so good to have you here. I mean... This must be like a dream come true for you. <laughs> Back in the studio on a Saturday morning, my, my dream definitely. Well, I mean, you called in. You were a caller on our Free Will episode. Mm-hmm. All of a sudden, stardom has found you. <laughs> yeah, my will brought me here. I, I do. My free will. Laura, Laura has a primetime slot, and now she's dragged in at 10 <laughs> o'clock in the morning. Well, I do wonder if the only people who listen to our show are people who have other shows. <laughs> but I, I know that's not the case. We actually got a caller last hour about the Osho piece, if you guys are interested. That's Wild Wild Country is the documentary. Um, it's excellent. Now, for reasons that I will explain, I'm going to summarize the article. The reason is, is because Laura's got a great critique of the article, so I don't want her to summarize it. Waylon only read half of it, and I read it, so... And I don't think we need to summarize it. Uh, it's a long article, and a lot of ground gets covered. And if I were to kind of like summarize it, it seems to me that the author is laying the groundwork to make the argument that automation's coming. It's different this time. It's not like the other times in industrialization where more jobs, kind of different kind of jobs, came on its heels. It's a fundamentally different moment in history where jobs are going to start getting eliminated. Then goes to like, okay, so if that's the case, what are we going to do? What is culture look like? What is society going to look like? I think probably rightfully acknowledges, at least in the culture that we're in now, not having work can be really difficult, you know, because so much of our... And I do like um, how the author kind of attaches um, 
meaning to work, that Americans have a like, sense of meaning around work, that in some ways it's the shared principle of being American. Since we're, religion's kind of declined, and there's, all these, there's not a lot of safety nets in terms of what gives us meaning, but work, I think, still does. Then the article goes to Youngstown, Ohio, and other spots to say, okay, well, Youngstown is in the trash, so to speak. It's a really tough town. It's a loser town in globalization to the max. What are they doing out there? And then visits some incubators and looks at gig economies and other things to see how people are piecing it together. So is that a reasonable... I'm looking at you, Lauren, not Waylon. <laughs> <laughs> a summary of what he said? Do you think? In the article? Yeah, I think that's a good summary. Although okay. he doesn't... Con- well, I'm just launching into critique. He doesn't okay, convince no, me of the inevitability of job loss. Yes. Um, nor does he convince me that it's inherently bad, but... Okay, can we do this then? And I agree with you. Mm-hmm. I like... I think let's save that for the... For one step okay, forward, we'll off, yeah. but I, the other critique, I think we're, I think would be good to get in there right now because mm-hmm. that is what we do. We look at an article and then we say, "Well, this works for me and this doesn't work for me." So, you mentioned some stuff before the show. Why don't you tell us where you find fault here? Okay. Did you want me to talk about the concepts or the other? Yeah, I, was, I think I'm both. Not sure. I yeah. Think well, both. so one thing that just stood out to me when I was reading the article, I was at page eighteen before. Th- there was any mention of women existing um, in this 30-page article. And so then I went through and I counted the names and there are 33 people mentioned in the article. Um, And Will, and you didn't read it, but do you want to guess how many of them are women? Um, Two. Oh, wow. Uh, No, there were actually three women. See, that's that's basically two-thirds of the comprehension (laughs) of the article. Right, you only read two-thirds of it, so that's what you know. But that actually, that criticism actually captures the bigger criticism I have, which is that this article focused in on a very narrow perspective to address a really huge philosophical question. You know, I don't think it brought in enough perspectives, and it was too attached to this idea that jobs are what give us value without really proving that. And I agree that that's part of an American ethic, Mm -hmm. but um, I guess moving forward, I don't know that it can be. Okay, let me push back a little bit there, though, Mm -hmm. Um, because I, I totally get what you're saying when you're saying moving forward. But don't you think that Americans are really attached to the idea of work and making their own money, like in a strange, in almost a strange way. Inherited wealth is shameful. I'm not saying it Mm. shouldn't be. I'm just saying like in Europe, they don't have that relationship to work. Certainly not on the Mediterranean. Like people don't ask, what do you do? You know, when Mm. I lived in New York, that was the absolute first question you would ask anybody. And Europeans found that very off-putting. So I'm just wondering, I agree moving forward we might have to re-imagine re- what that's like. But don't you think it's true that Americans are really attached to work? I think that it is true, and that's part of like the self-destructive impulse. It's, I think it's, mm-hmm. a, it's a truth that's been given to us to convince us that we should continue to work harder and harder to serve a smaller and smaller number of people mm. instead of serving our society, instead of planning. And, you know, like in this article, like he gives an example of like automation taking jobs away from horses and I was telling you this I'm like like, this is a great example of what's wrong with this whole concept the horses didn't want to do those jobs the horses didn't (laughs) want to be whipped and like coerced into doing all this terrible work and like to be like oh poor horses lost their jobs like that 
capture, you know, we value the creation of money. And you were talking about how this also ties into this larger issue of productivity as this universal good without looking at it. And that leads into like climate change and how are, what are the actual negative consequences of that, that attitude that productivity is, is supreme, you know, and you're only happy if you're working and you're producing value. And what is value actually here? That's, that's a really good point. And by the way, there's a really good movie on this. Now, um, I hope I'm not totally blanking the name. It's about this call center where they, it's out of Oakland. Oh, geez, I'm going to have to like... Oh, is it Sorry sorry to Bother sorry You? Sorry to Bother You is excellent. No, have it. you seen that? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it was really a good critique of, of just this, mm. you know, of this kind of system that we're living in. And the whole point, spoiler alert, is they turn them into horses at the end. Yeah, just as coincidentally. Spoiler alert. <laughs> that was ruined. a twist I didn't... It, you just just that probably came up 13 years ago for me. It. Thank you. Sorry, sorry. I apologize. It's a great film. You can watch it anyway and really glean a lot. I think that... Yeah. Don't you agree that that movie addresses exactly this construct? Yeah, it does. Of you're like right, the, right. This weird hierarchy that everyone buys into. Mm-hmm. Like even the people in the movie, for the most part, buy into the hierarchy of being famous or rich like even though it's such a scam that they're being scammed actually yeah well and it's yeah do you have a choice to buy into it or not you know right I mean but I would say that they actually buy into it Uh, well they struggle with actually fantasizing about it that's so interesting to me maybe it's for a separate episode that Mm -hmm. people like everyone's got a lottery ticket here like everyone's kind of bought into this idea of like right. I'm going to win the lottery so I don't mind the super rich being super rich because I'm going to I think there's a good chance I might be super rich or famous someday right yeah that's it. it's the prospect of the future rather than thinking about the context of what you're doing right now I don't yeah. think I don't I don't know. I mean I don't have the numbers to back it up. But I'm not sure that people have actually bought into that to the extent that Okay. It's, it's pr- portrayed, you know, I think we just don't have any way to change Alternative it. Alternative voice. You know, how do you actually go a- about enacting that change? I'd be curious if there are numbers on that. You know, there must be some social science. I mean, I don't yeah. really consider that a hard science, but mm-hmm. I'm going to look into that because my experience, maybe because I did live in New York, everybody was had a lottery ticket mm. that I knew. Right, everybody's you know? aspiring to something. Everyone's there. aspiring yeah, to yeah. something. It's very it's aspirational. Cool. If you're like, you know, in my class going down there, I mean, that's there's also millions of other people in New York who are having on a different trip and stuff like that. So, um, there's a critique here. We hear, too, that women aren't mentioned, and I actually think that's relevant to the other critique, which is there seems to be a lack of imagination on how to deal with automation. That is, and this falls into my old saw, the Pilates fallacy, (laughs) a little bit. This is what I call the Pilates fallacy, (laughs) which is... You know, once automation comes, we're all going to be doing Pilates classes and stuff like that. <laughs> like, we're all going to be on Etsy. The dream. <laughs> we're all going to be on Etsy making homemade stuff for each other. I mean, he talks a little bit about that. Yeah. Right? He wants us to go back into the cottage industry. <laughs> and I just think, well, that's cool for everyone reading The Atlantic. But then there's like millions of other people who are going to have a really hard time accessing that vision. Mm-hmm. Doesn't mean they can't. Doesn't mean it's not possible. But you know, it seems like a very narrow bandwidth of pe- band of people who would be like, oh, yeah, I'll, that's what I'll do with my time. Mm. Well, that gets at the bigger issue of how close are we actually to this automation problem, okay. which I don't think we are super close Okay, so to. let's talk about that. Yeah, like, I mean, who are these people you're talking about who, like, won't be affected? Like, if, if automation were truly thorough and effective, 
it wouldn't be exclusionary that only like some subset of the population would be doing Pilates, right? The idea would be that we're yes, all living. Exactly. Right. And I just think I still, I mean, and the article addresses this a little bit, but it takes a lot of imagination to really picture what an automated world would look like where we don't have to do that much work because we're not actually that close to it. Hmm. It also comes in like define work too, you know, define work. There's cer- there's certain things that I that I don't necessarily think that we'll we will ever accomplish with robots. You know, we have the Amazon factories in which there's there's the moving robots that have artificial intelligence that can move here or there, mm-hmm. but that's not necessarily going into the deeper the deeper pockets of what humans are capable of doing something like this like could you could you you want you're telling your students they're all going to design ipods could you see or would you listen to a show that was artificially created by robots like this (laughs) wait i have a surprise Coming back from the break. Okay, I do have a surprise. Did I just hit some, some vein? Of- <laughs> you, you hit it after I hit it. Okay, so there is a surprise coming back okay. from the break. And listeners, I want you to listen very closely. Um, yeah, I think it is possible that art could be made by robots. It already is I didn't made. say art. Okay. I said this uh, show. This show. That is that is very different. <laughs> what you're saying. First is not off, art. yes, they could because I'm an idiot, <laughs> and it takes a very. I think Furby could be on. It would this be hard to program right you. Yeah. I don't know what the programming is there. Um, you would have to program something and then. It's a Furby. Drop it's water just, on ooh, it, basically. Wow. <laughs> I mean, that makes me think, and this is maybe a diversion, but like I used to really enjoy reading my like automated emails. You know, I would get like an email that's like, "Hello, my name is Svetlana. I am a pretty Russian." girl I want to talk to you and I thought those were really entertaining to read and that was definitely written by a computer that's my that's my (laughs) wife (laughs) it's better than those emails that are telling me that Svetlana's not real the spam has gotten worse I think as the technology has gone but it used to be entertaining but it was fun to like I think it was fun to look at the folly of a computer trying to imitate yes. a person. But that's fun for now. Right. <laughs> ten years from now. Well, that was probably like, ten years ago, honestly. In, in a page. <laughs> you're not going to be laughing then. <laughs> you know, ten you're gonna, years from now. You're going to remember this moment. And the robots are, gonna, are listening as we speak. And they'll be like, oh, you think that's funny. Okay. Well, we're definitely going to automate you out of existence. <laughs> um, it, it's better than the emails you get that are totally ungrammatical. Mm. that are like trying to scam you right well they're just trying to actually realistically sound like people yeah yeah, that's that's just getting through the filter that's a smart robot i see well i'm yeah i've we can talk scams later but there's some pretty funny scams out there so i actually think the specter of automation is closer um by the way i was in stop and shop the other day uh and i ran into a robot yeah and it was scary i have to say with eyes the, I didn't see the googly eyes. I think um. someone smacked them off. <laughs> you know, that was my first impulse was to punish that. Robot. Oh man! And so For I, sure. I was like, it looks like a little like, like Darth Vader went on a serious diet and lost his mask. <laughs> it's black. It's sleek. Or the obelisk from two thousand and one or something. Yeah, like actually, that. that's yeah. Yeah. Weird. And so I researched it. I'm like, okay, so that's cre- creepy. Um, what does it do? And it doesn't all, do much. Yeah. For now, mm. but this is a thing. You know what it does? No. Well, it goes and picks up spills. It doesn't even mm. pick them up. It, it just, identifies yeah. spills and calls for someone to pick. <laughs> it cries like I a little that's baby. The wedge. It's Spanel, one more spying Spanel. on the employees thing too. Yeah, for sure. it's totally a wedge thing. The well, so I think that that right there, Marty is. This is my take on the entire thing. It is actually serving a bigger purpose than it's. It's a dumb robot that walk that goes around the thing, but. It's desensitizing yes. people 
two robots and in its <laughs> it's its own it's its own PR. Yes. You know, people like literally post on Facebook. I've seen multiple occasions of this. Like they oh, so and so wanted to go see Marty. Oh, it's like yeah. they. It's purposefully that's there come on, for Laura, PR. Come on, you uh, know that's what they do. I think doing. most people hate it, and now, also I'm pretty sure Stop and Shop workers a- went on strike after they introduced Marty. <laughs> they did, it. and they got they <laughs> did, and they got a raise. They, they got like, a raise. I to work with this robot. We need more money. Yeah. <laughs> you know what? I want to see a poll. I think that most people think that Marty is a novelty. I think that mm. they actually like it, and I'm not saying that it's right. Mm. I'm saying that that most people think that. And literally, all you need to do is put googly eyes on a Roomba. That's what <laughs> it, it is. Makes it even more worse. It is, it you know, is. makes it even worse. Listen, I think I don't know what most people think about it, but I think you're right that it's a desensitizing thing. I mean, when someone put wheels on a suitcase at the beginning, everyone was mad at those suitcases <laughs> with wheels on them, right? And now we all have suitcases with wheels. Wait, Why? Is that true? Yeah. Who was mad? I'm older than you, so I remember <laughs> where people were like, you're taking up too much space with that <laughs> suitcase. <laughs> with those, with those three-inch yeah. diameter wheels. No, but because it trails behind you. Uh, yeah. I'm uh, serious about this. And like, when I was a kid, everyone carried their suitcase. Now, I don't know why it took 10,000 years <laughs> to put wheels on a suitcase. <laughs> like, that's, a, that's for a separate time. Years. But a now, eventually, everyone has suitcase with wheels on yeah. it. Why? Because it makes sense. I do think the robot's a way of, of desensitizing. And I think, for now, it alerts people to spills. But obviously, it's going to do more well, than that. Well, I also, I also want to say this, though, too. The, the, the reason why people love Marty... Or that I, I see all these posts and it's Which a novelty. You're basing this on that. First off, <laughs> I don't know who loves Marty. I'm the not reason convinced. why <laughs> Marty is going to be president no, is because Please. it's it, it, robot is one thing, okay? But the minute that you put it, eyes on it, it, it gives this um, personification of it. And so it's a mixture of a robot but you all of a sudden give it an identity okay. and I, I, I actually show videos to my students about this there are there's a couple of instances of this but there was a di- basically a di- dialysis machine or not diabetes machine there was mm-hmm. this machine that you need and if you have diabetes you have it they, there was an experiment run you get, you get the um, the diabetes machine you get the diabetes machine with a smiley face on it that that talks to you like an mm-hmm. Alexa. Mm-hmm. The people with that one did not want to give it back. They assigned it names and it became yep. part of a part of like their life. Yep. And that is it's not about necessarily automation at that point. It's being masking the fact that it's you it's a helpful being even though it's it's not sentient. All right. Well, so in that case, though, the people had an affection for it because it was a thing that was literally saving their life. Whereas Marty, I think, I think you're right. I think you're right. Yeah. When you put a face on something, people react with an emotion to it, right? And that's just reality. It could be a piece of paper. It doesn't matter. But I think also this personification can go both ways. People will also start to hate those machines in the same way that they hate people. Not just like you're annoyed with your mm. computer because uh, it won't, right. you know, because it's automatically updating without your permission. But, yeah. um, but you know, like there's been robots that they send to go on like missions and people beat them up. Yes. You know, people, oh, yeah. people attack them. Yeah, exactly. People attack. And <laughs> also like when, when Alexa <laughs> and Siri and stuff first started yeah. happening, the first thing I witnessed in social settings was people becoming abusive towards those. Yeah, but towards 
it's oh, those, yeah. those but now we now we just sure. live with them, right? Right. Yeah, but, that's true. But people, but you also take your anger out on them too. So I don't know. You're right. Job. We are desensitized, but that goes both ways. It's not just like affection for our robot overlords. Well, you know? and there's this other thing. There was a it was a scientist who created a um, teddy bear for people in nursing homes who were lonely, and this teddy bear would kind of talk to them. It's a seal. Paro. Okay, see, yeah, yeah. and she <laughs> came. She too. came to really regret it. Uh, yeah. She gave a TED talk, basically saying, "Like this is really effective. It really works." And this is so sad to me. Yeah, it's really sad that like we've outsourced talking to old people to these robots. So here's an example where like our intelligence is becoming artificial. This is my claim that artificial things are becoming more intelligent and we're becoming more artificial and we're going to meet in the middle mm. and like we're going to be losing the thick cables of analysis for angel hair pasta in our brains basically they're able to make many very superficial connections the robots are going to catch up with us because we're basically meeting in the middle mm. now why is that bad because i like deep thinking and humans and <laughs> why can't you have both that's my, that's what i'm trying to get to mm -hmm. you're you're saying this like meeting in the middle we're losing some sort of portion of this that's not ex at all what technology is doing technology is enhancing our ability to to do this now we uh, we're at a point where we're just throwing we have the vast global network that's called the internet that you can immediately put thoughts out there we're dumber than the internet because we haven't, the technology has progressed where we can immediately communicate with anybody globally, but our thoughts are not well developed, and that's why you get fake news, and that's why well, you get trolls and all this stuff. Everything moves so fast. I agree that this is inhibiting too deep thought. That's the problem. That's the problem. I just think we're, we're not deep, deep enough thinkers. I think that that's no. uh, that's on humans. That's a human error. Sure. You, we have the I'm ability to, to vastly uh, communicate with each other. And it, we're not taking advantage if of you it, don't and want to be part we're of the actively getting duped by it. Like we're actively so getting duped by it. Why? Why? Because we 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 are not moving at the 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 um, critical thinking pace that technology is allowing us to uh, to kind of inhibit. So, but you're both teachers. So, like, does this come down to education? Are we not? Valuing yeah. deep Media thought literacy. and education. Hundred percent. Is our that's, education that's geared point. towards work and producing value instead of deep thought and? Well, I would like to thinking. think mine isn't. I, I don't. You know, <laughs> it's honestly, not, like I have trouble grading because, like, it's so hard to assess the things that I actually want them to walk away with, mm. which is deep conversation and like awareness and consciousness. Very hard to grade that. Yeah. And yeah. I'm having trouble grading right now because my it's just hard to to create a bell curve. Because it's very hard to assess that. That's really the problem with education. It's hard to assess the ephemeral, the mm. depth. You know, that's what's hard to assess. It's easy to throw homework at kids and stuff like that, and especially in history. You know, which is what I teach in social studies. You know, math is, I'm sure, very deep in its own way, but you at least have a solution there. Yeah. I don't know. It's gotten more complex. Well, but. also on the surface, what can you unlearn that you're learning from society? Like, if you if you were just a uh, media subscriber to say the top 10 newspapers you're also learning what the whole shakedown of of everything how how protocol goes there and i don't think that they even have it right like there's a super uh, it, it's it's super opinion, opinionated and that's what you need to go to like a show like this it's refreshing cuz then you can have a disagreement i don't think Isn't that there's room for disagreement anymore Hmm. You know, and that uh, and <laughs> I see a lot of disagreement. <laughs> out in the world. Is it, but is it disagreement with dialogue? I think is the difference. disagreement with dialogue and right. a respect 
for that disagreement. I don't see any respect and disagreement. I don't know about any, but I hear what you're saying. Yeah, I think it's complicated. I mean, the internet is this beautiful thing that's a double-edged sword. It's simultaneously enabling us to talk about things that we haven't talked about. I've, like, I love Twitter, honestly. I feel like I've connected with all sorts of amazing scientists on Mm. Twitter. I can see the thoughts and the process. And I do see dialogues, and I also see incredible polarization and disrespectful behavior that comes with Mm. the distance and the coldness of, of interacting with a screen rather than an actual human being. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I don't know. Like, I forgot what the question was. Well, speaking no. of... <laughs> no, 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 no. Just, just humans not moving at the pace of the technology that like, allowing mm. us. I think that that's my... I think that, that, that it, that's what it comes down to. I think that we need to evolve a little bit more philosophically uh, as a society. A little, we have to do a way better job at that. Yeah, it's not enough time. <laughs> not only is there not enough time on the planet to do that, it's not enough time before we go to break. Uh-huh. Oh, we'll we go. be back in a minute, folks. 